good intro then for 48. I might as well, might as well just start with that. So I just spent a Sunday volunteering with Revzilla as a motorcycle marshal for this fundraiser called Alex's Lemonade Stand. And they, um, yeah, and they raise, basically is to raise money for pediatric cancer research. It's um, alexslemonade.org. So it was a, yeah, it was like a fundraising race. So about a dozen of us were motorcycle marshals for four different races that they held. Um, They had, you know, four different distances and so yeah, it was my first time being a motorcycle marshal. It's really fun. I highly recommend it if you're into that sort of thing. There's a lot of slow riding, but it wasn't slow the whole time. It was pretty. It was an interesting mix. Like if there were two lanes on a road, would you be in the left lane while everyone else is in the right? Like how do you position yourself when you're in the middle of it all? So because this wasn't a Tour de France, where mm-hmm. there was throngs of people, like there were there were smaller groups. Like there'd be a pack of eight people who are really fast in front. So it's really easy to just ride around them and then ride in front of them. You know what I mean? Because you're going so much mm-hmm. faster than they're pedaling anyway. So most of the time there was plenty of room to be in the same, just because they were two lane roads, two way, two lane, ro- you know, two lane roads, one in each direction. So we were, yeah, spending a lot of time in the same lane, just up ahead a little bit, not riding with them, just up ahead. Yeah. And then like, say there's a Y coming, so we'd go hang out at the Y so they'd know exactly where to go, you know, or if we saw that a sign was, like, really hard to see, um, then we'd go move it or we'd just go sit where it was obvious where to turn, that sort of thing. Yeah, most of the time we're just kind of riding back and forth um, between these groups, so, yeah, not pretty, pretty easy. Nothing too complicated. Nice. Yeah. And you got to see some uh, new terrain in uh, Philly, outside of Philly, maybe? Yeah, it's north about an hour. Well, like 40 minutes north called Doylestown. There's actually some nice back roads riding. You know, they're really short. I mean, basically all the riding here is it's all back roads. You are constantly riding through uh, farms and houses there aren't long stretches of highway like in California where you ride 36 or three and you don't see a house for the entire 40 mile length of the highway. You're on a highway. It's not like that here. You're always in someone's backyard or riding past someone's driveway. They're spread out, but you're basically riding in residential areas pretty much. So the, you know, the speed limit's like 30. So it's just a little bit different. But, yeah, pretty much running um, kind of outside the Philadelphia area, really. It was really pretty. Saw some farms and, you know, Amish bakery and grocery store oh. and saw um, really and cool houses. Action? Actually, no, thank God. There weren't any on the road because that would have been really difficult. But, no, um no, I just passed, you know, some ranches, dairy farms, that sort of thing. Abandoned dairy farms. Yeah, I have a few pictures on my Instagram that I threw up while we were riding. Nice. Yeah. 
yeah, and a couple of photos of my coworker that I was riding with, Eric, on his street triple. So was that Saturday? Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, I work Saturday. It was all pretty much. Well, I figured all... it was maybe part of work. No, it was a volunteer thing. So it was Sunday morning. I had to be there at six thirty. So I left. Ooh. Left here at five thirty. Yeah, and then um, got up there around seven. 6.45. Actually, no, we got around 6.30. And then, yeah, just took all morning, pretty much. Came home at like 2. I was exhausted. Did you and Evan do any riding this weekend? Or, or for your weekend, no. Sunday, Monday? No, not really. Today we were really lazy and slept in and just didn't really do anything. That's a Sunday. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> the unofficial Sunday. Yeah, no, I'm going to plan some, um, I want to plan our next overnight trip sometime in August. I want to try to go north or um, down to Virginia. I'm not sure yet. But no. Yeah, go down to uh, the Blue Ridge. That's more than a area. one night. That's like a three-day thing. I, I Is can't, it really? Yeah, it's too far to do. You can't do that in a one-night, two-day affair. So that's that's something for next year, I think, um, when I have time off again. So no, I'm going to plan something like a one-night, two-day, just going upstate that's a little bit more doable in a two-day. Yep. Me, I did not ride. I finally took a vacation away, and a motorcycle was not a part of it. Oh, that's, that's nice. It's nice to yeah. have that, too. It's awesome. It was a little break. I had uh, an F800S uh, or a street last week for a little bit while mm -hmm. my bike was in the shop getting fixed. They're still trying to research what the problem is. I'll probably take it back this week and, and have it get looked at. But hey, I am never afraid to take whatever they give me as kind of a different change of pace. It's always fun. So it's nice that was to get kinda... something else. It's great. Exactly. <laughs> I love variety. So my pleasure if they need to have my bike for another week. I was sad that I wasn't going to be around over the weekend to enjoy that bike. And consequently, I told them and, and took it back and swapped it out with my BMW until their parts come in. Yeah, it was a nice little refreshing change of pace. Looking forward to jumping back on the bike soon and maybe getting a, a weekend ride in since it's been a while. Maybe we should talk about a recall. Harley Davidson recently had a recall for over 66,000 units for front wheel lockup on uh, touring motorcycles with ABS. The front brake line might be positioned in a way that it could be pinched between the fuel tank and the frame. And that was an mm. assembly error. If you have, if you have a touring or a CVO touring Harley Davidson motorcycle that's made uh, between July 1st, 2013 and May 7th, 2014, you might want to give your dealership a call and follow up on that. Uh, make sure that uh, your bike isn't one of the recalled units. And then some interesting news for BMW. They, in their first year, half of year, so not, I guess, first quarter and second quarter, um, they had the highest uh, half-year sales record that they've had since, I guess, the dawn of time or since they started tracking sales information but um part of their record their top seller of course would be the r1200 gs the liquid cooled followed by the r1200 gs adventure and then the r1200 rt 
So those are their top three bikes that they currently sell. I noticed also that the uh, that Honda released a CB300 F. Oh. Yeah, another one. Um, it's pretty cool. It's nice to see new small displacements coming out. Post a link to it. Um, for 2015. 300F. So, yeah. That looks like up, upright. Yes, yeah, so it looks like a sport touring option. So definitely not a... Yeah, like it looks like it's kind of your typical naked... To me, it's a smaller version of what I, what I have. Naked yeah. fairing. No, very Not really a windscreen. There's no fairing around your headlight at all. Very um, It's almost completely upright. Maybe five degrees, depending how tapered the bars are and how short your arms are. But it's very upright. It's just an upright version of a CBR 250, but... 300 cc i don't know what spec wise it is like i don't know um it's 286 cc's liquid cooled okay. um so maybe a two single single disc brakes three and a half gallons roughly 71 miles per gallon is what they estimate mm -hmm. wow that's, that's cool. pretty high so it's probably a couple horsepower more than a 250 but not huge jump yeah let's see horsepower it's pretty cool 39.99 plus out the yeah. door that's cool. I bet it'll replace the 250R. I mean, they'll probably just do 300s going forward, you know. Wow, they don't have a horsepower estimate on this, on the specs. I'm going to theorize it's going to be somewhere at 30, 35 yeah. at the most. Like, I, I bet it's like 32 or something or, you know, entry level. Uh, and it's probably light and... You know, kind of surprising. It's a little stocky. Um, 348 pounds. Dry? Or is that curb weight? Uh, no, curb weight. Oh, see, it's light. It's like it, yeah, but for a 300, we have 400, you know, four 500s that are close to 348. So, I mean, it's not as light as it could be. I don't know, 340 is about, I mean, what a Ninja 250, what used to be uh, curb weight anyway. I think my old one was... But, but I think my point is, like, the FZ07 or the 690 Duke, they're all, like, just a, a handful of pounds more than that, is my point, between mm. having a 300 engine versus, you know, a 6 or a 700. You True. would think they'd be able to drop that weight down a little closer to 300. Mm, very true. I had a... I just want to mention an email that I got that I posted on my Q&A page on GearChick about a new she's a new rider and she doesn't know anybody who rides and doesn't really have anyone to ask questions about riding so she's googling a lot and um, she asked me about you know what 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 to expect when looking at bikes and if everything feels tall then you know what recourse does she have and that sort of thing um, so I jotted down a few ideas and uh, she's also looking at used motorcycles so that was just another, um, just totally lost what I was going to say. She's basically interested. <laughs> she just needs some advice about bike, you know, bike shopping and a little bit of some gear questions, but just, you know, some general kind of, I think what every new rider, at least who's small, um, usually thinks about is what if I can't ride this bike or how am I going to find a bike that's comfortable that I feel that I can flat foot, that I can manage. That I think is her kind of general concern. So I, I jotted down a few things 
yeah, um, in that regard. For sure. Yeah, just, you know, take a class and, you know, other things to think about, you know, um, writing skills and that sort of thing. Yeah, and so. if you're just now joining us and you heard Joanne mention, she's looking on tips on how to buy a used bike. Check episode 37, which was and, when uh, yep. we had the Elisa Clickinger interview and we all kind of went into pretty good detail about buying used and what you want to look for. Yep, and I linked her to that, of course. Um, but I think I'm also going to write something because I googled a little bit to see what articles are out there and I really didn't see anything that impressed me. I mean, I saw one thing that was pretty good um, and I linked it for her from I think motorcycle.com or motorcycle USA, one of the two. Um, but I think I'm going to write something else um, to address that. But in the meantime, if you're also bike shopping or you have, you know, you're new to this experience and you have general questions, definitely take a look at or take a listen to 37 as well. But if you have any, any you know, feedback or advice you want to give to her, please post a comment on that post. Um, it, again, it's in my Q&A page and it's the very top post. And then, of course, we have something loosely related to that, mm -hmm. but not as much. It's uh, coming from Eric. This is one of our emails from the website. I'm a fan of the show, and recently at work, I was transferred to a position where I'm only 15 minutes away from my job, nice. as opposed to 60 miles. Nice. I'm thinking about making my motorcycle my daily commuter and would love to hear everyone's opinion on what I should look out for and be aware of daily commuting instead of being a weekend fair-weather rider. Any gear recommendations that would work over dress pants and a dress shirt as well as what to carry my laptop and office paperwork in would be greatly appreciated. So it sounds like he already has a bike, so he's not looking for a bike recommendation. Mm -mm. But he is looking for any of probably the, the crazy, you know, lanes. Well, actually, it wouldn't be lane splitting because I somehow doubt he's in California. It sounds but, like he uh, also, well, he also wants to know what to expect. Uh, yeah, exactly. Going from... I was going to say from the early morning slodge and the evening slodge on the day-to-day. -day. Yeah, um, and just a short commute. True. Get... Well, short commute, damn. I mean, 15 minutes, that's mm -hmm. awesome. You're going to, you're not going to spend any time whatsoever. I'll be like that's like three songs <laughs> yeah it's not that much time i mean that's what i have now is a 10 minute about a 10 minute commute not door to door it's like 20 minutes door to door but it's only a 10 minute drive like actual on the road is only 10 minutes it just takes 10 minutes to like yeah. gear up and you know it's certainly a short amount of time but nothing really to short. take for granted if you're used to 60 miles because no. um 15 minutes is, is quick, and if you think, oh, it's okay, you know, I don't, I haven't had my coffee, I'm not really feeling up to it, but I'm only 15 minutes away, like, just stop. <laughs> so that's definitely something not to take for granted, the fact that it's really close, meaning you can kind of slack off a little bit. Um, definitely make sure that you're still um, very, very in tune and ready to ride and, and at 110% to keep your eyes on the road because, you know, I think, what is it, the, the famous saying, accidents happen close to home. And and if you're talking about riding in a, um, not a rural area, but, you know, in city and lots of traffic, I mean, just judging from me being on the freeway, the morning and the evening are the times that everyone hates going to work and is tired and just can't wait to get home. So what does that mean? People going fast, not paying attention, drinking their coffee, 
calling their spouse. So it's probably the two times a day where you need to not only be in control of what you're doing, but also hyper aware of everyone else around you who doesn't care what you're doing and is not even paying attention to what they're doing. Yeah, and I guess, so for me, I have never, ever done a long commute on a bike. I've only done hour-long commutes or more more than 15, 20-minute bike commutes on, or, sorry, let me say that again. I've only done 15 to 20-minute ride commutes in uh, in a bike. So I'm, I have never had to battle the highway for an hour each direction. I don't think I, frankly, I don't think I could. I think it would really kill me because the one time I had a 20-minute bike commute was really tough because I found it to be really taxing because it was all highway and I just didn't like, I didn't like it. I just, that was the one time, actually my last accident was coming home on one of those. But I'll tell you that the downside to a really short commute is if it's literally 15 minutes door to door, you will probably want to be really lax on gearing up because it takes you about 10 minutes to get ready. Um, so that's where you have to decide if you're ready to do that. The other thing is, is if you're city commuting and you're, and you're really not going on the highway, then, you know, that makes it a little easier because you can wear slightly lighter gear. You can wear maybe lighter textiles um, if you want to. But me, I actually wear this, pretty much wear the same stuff riding like for a weekend that I, w- that I would ride to work. So I actually wear my leathers for my f- sad 15-minute ride, but that's because I jump on the highway, and I just don't trust these people. Um, mm-hmm. I just anytime I get on the highway for 10 minutes, I don't, I just don't like the way people drive here. Um, so I never get on the highway in my mesh. Like I have a mesh pant, but I only wear it when I'm doing surface streets because it's you know stoplights, stop signs. I'm not anywhere near the highway, and um, it's just I feel a little bit you know, a little bit better around town wearing that. So that's one thing you're going to, you know, you may struggle with, but if you do decide that you want to fully gear up and um, go to work, then you may want to do a, um, an arrow stitch suit or, or just a two piece textile. I mean, I don't have an arrow stitch. I never had a one piece suit. I just wore all my clothes, you know, I just wore my leathers over everything. Even though yeah, they weren't dress pants, I think anything constrictive over dress pants. I was wondering, do you are you aware of a um, an overpant that has like all the proper armor in the right places, but well, yeah, like there's... can button all the way up? There's because those quick easy off things I think would be good over a suit pant. Uh, what do you mean easy off? I don't know what that means. Well, I would say I would recommend an overpant that you can either zip all the way up the side to get off sure. or that you can like button up the side as opposed to pulling pants over because if you're going to wear some dress slacks it the last com- thing you want to do is put them on like a pair of pants, you know what I mean? No, it doesn't really I don't I don't know that that's the issue so much as do you want to ride with dress clothes? under your gear and it really comes down to what kind of gear you get because if you do an arrow stitch suit say one piece you know you're kind of zipping it on and throwing it on but i i don't think there's really much of a difference between stepping into an arrow stitch suit and putting on pulling over you know textile pants it's i i just either way you're gonna get a little wrinkly um that's where i think you also have to also decide okay 
I don't even know where this guy works, but let's say he works at a law firm. Let's say he's a high level, you know, lawyer and he has to be dressed to the nine when he's at, when he gets there, then you shouldn't, then you probably can't wear them at all under your gear. Cause you're, you're just, I don't know. I think no matter which way you wear it, you're just going to end up coming out a little wrinkly. Yeah. You know what I mean, so if he has that kind of job, I would just avoid it and either change when you get there um, or maybe do an arrow stitch. To me, that's probably the least wrinkly or like least crumply option. That's all I can think of. But um, I just don't think that, it, that there's really a big difference between a textile pant and over pant in terms of wearing them over things. It's it's 10 seconds. And so as far as bags and uh, what to carry, laptop, kind of a briefcase, I use Chrome Industries Messenger Bag. And as far as a laptop, I would, I still use Chrome Industries Bag as something to carry my laptop, but I also have one of those neoprene kind of sleeves to put over my laptop, Mm -hmm. just as kind of like a prevent scratches, maybe a little bit of the vibration dampening, but... um, does uh, Krieger have like a, a messenger bag type no. setup for a laptop? No. no, no, they're not. No, they're not. Unfortunately, um, not really thinking about that kind of commuter yet with their yeah. bags. They're just all about adventure. Although some have sleeves, so you you can slide 13 and 15s in some of the sleeves that are in there. Um, they're just organizer pockets that happen to be sized so that you can slide in things. However, I'd say that if you are going to um, commute with a laptop. You either want it on your body for vibration and impact, but or get a top box and put everything True. in the top box. So at least if you do crash, your stuff will just roll with the top box because like GV boxes are pretty indestructible. You can crash in those things and they're not just going to blow open and crush, um, you know, with the exception of being ran over by a semi. But it that's a way to protect, <laughs> you know, it's a way to protect your stuff. Being run over by a semi. I'm sure you're not caring about a laptop if you're getting hit by a semi. No, I mean the box. You know, that's the only thing I could think of is why the box may not work. But um, that does raise your center of gravity, though, to have a a top box up and high because just the way they mount, um, they're not going to be as low. So that is a slight downfall to it. But I like the I like the box idea, so you don't have to wear anything. Um, Yeah. It's a nice way yeah, to go. especially if your your definition of paperwork is like 10, 15, 20 pounds. Because even though mm-hmm. the the Chrome bag has always been uh, pretty comfortable for me, it's got a, a strap that you know goes one way across your chest like a proper messenger bag. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a huge fan in commuting. I mean, obviously, 15 minutes is fine, but as far as my commute, which is closer to an hour, if I have anything of any weight in that bag, I, I know that my back is going to be slightly upset with me. So definitely. If you're thinking about carrying anything that's a, a little heavy, um, consider the top box option. I'm a fan of the top box for real commuting, um, just for convenience sake. But um, yeah, I'd say try it out. You know, maybe commute in your gear and then bring your clothes with you. Maybe bring your shirt and slacks with you, I guess, and see how that goes. Everyone's or do as different. I do on the days that you drive. I have um, clothes, alternate clothes in my office. There you go. So that when I ride, I already have you know some nice clothes at the office to change into. There you go. Um, 
didn't stuff them in my bag, didn't take them same day. It was kind of a pre-planned, hey, this is the emergency jacket and pant combo in the event I need to go somewhere and I'm stuck with very casual wear. There you go. And you might, I don't know, and he might end up driving sometimes when he feels like it and riding other times. I mean, the other thing too is if you, if you're doing city commuting and you have a big bike, that's not going to be very fun. That's going to suck to be stop and go constantly um, at slow speed on, say, a leader bike if you have a really big bike. So think about your bike and what kind of commuting, you know, highway is it highway friendly or is it city friendly? You may actually not want to commute on it. Like who wants to do a five minute, 10 minute or 10 mile ride on a leader bike? It's that it just depends on, I guess, your comfort um, and kind of where you live and, and what's easier. But either way, 15 minutes sure beats 60. Indeed. Yeah, I'd be happy to have that because worst case scenario, I'd go the long way. Take 30 minutes. I'd go out of my way just to lengthen my ride. Yeah, the long way is always a nice option too. If I were a morning person, I would do that, but I am not. <laughs> So many times I opt to drive because I don't have to ride because I don't, I have parking. There's a ton of parking. It is free. There's no limit or restriction. Whereas before commuting, I had to ride downtown because there's nowhere to park your car um, hmm. all day for I'll, free. I'll yeah. vouch for that. I remember. <laughs> yep. So, so now that I'm not forced to, and the fact that it's 90 degrees almost every day now and humid, for me, a 10-minute ride is just not worth it because it's so hot. I show up disgusting, and I feel like I'm working harder to get dressed than actually the time I spend on the bike. Um, my, my ride is just too short. Even when I take the highway route, it's still only like 12 minutes. So I actually drive quite a bit to work because it's more convenient, especially on the really hot days and, and hot and rainy days too. Do you want to talk about the insurance. I think I even deleted it because I just didn't want to say anything about it. Basically, it's this video. Do you still have the link? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. It's, a, it's a video series that some company is put is doing. But what gets me? What I don't understand is the tagline. It's the same as the movie, right? Why we ride is the movie. It's why I ride. Oh, oh, sorry. Big, big difference. It's an ad campaign for insurance, which is also uh, an umbrella. It's it's owned by Allstate, so insurance is under the Allstate oh. umbrella. So the original episode that was done called Why I Ride, which was released, I think, right around the time that Why We Ride was about to be released or already released. It was with the uh, founder of Piston and Chain in San Francisco. Oh, that's cool. So that was kind of a cool thing. Cool episode, I remember it. Um, but the second episode that they've launched, like, probably about eight months after that first one, so they're kind of slow to put these out, I suppose, also sponsored by eSurance, is about a woman who rides a Harley in uh, Brooklyn, New York. And Joanne and I watched this before it was released because this particular company that developed and shot and edited the video wanted to get lots of, I guess, um, 
motorcycle-related podcasts, you know, website, blog, whatever, to showcase and try to try to preempt, I guess. Promote. This, um, yeah. Promote. Thank you. Um, promote this video. But the thing that we thought was a little interesting is, um, or at least from my perspective, is this is by a company that sells motorcycle insurance, e-surance, as well as Allstate, which is the company that I have. I, I didn't know the Allstate part until right now when I looked up e-surance, but it's by an insurance company. So if you're an insurance company that sells motorcycle insurance and you're sponsoring a video that ends up going back to you in some way, shape, or form, why would you allow a video with a woman who is only wearing the, is it three-quarter with the bubble shield? Yeah. Is that what they call it? Three-quarter covers your ears. Yeah. Um, three-quarter helmet with a bubble shield, and she wears absolutely nothing else in terms of gear. She's got uh, denim with, like, the knees missing and converse, and I don't think she wears a motorcycle jacket. And it's just, it's, it's a little weird for me. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm all about promoting motorcycling and, uh, you know, the, the enjoyment of riding. And I'm not mm -hmm. going to sit here and, and tell people what gear to wear or, you know, I'm just going to, we're just going to speak our mind and say, hey, this is how we operate. This is the gear that we wear. This is what we say will, you know, think will protect you um, and give as much advice as possible when asked. But not going to tell anybody to wear or not wear gear but i do kind of wonder how as an insurance company <laughs> how you promote something where someone is so absent of gear it just is a little baffling to me well that's uh... i always feel bad when things like this come out and i can't support it and i can't sponsor it or share it or tell people about it because I don't want to endorse it. I, I mean, I philosophically sure it's really cool because, you know, it's about someone who's doing something different and obviously is having a really great time and she's getting a lot of enjoyment out of it. You know, she's having an, a really cool adventure and that's awesome and that's great. But um, it just is such a backwards message. I mean, it's 2014. It's really a you know, it's about time we actually endorse safety to some degree, yeah. you know, in some way, shape or form. It's like, it's not 1940 anymore. It's we... a very easy rider type, um, theme, right. but and I... easy rider was done at a time when no one really thought about the consequences and there wasn't a lot of gear. And the idea of gear was like a leather jacket out of your closet and some boots. It wasn't a yeah. developed concept. It's different now. We're in a totally different century and we're in a completely different time and motorcycling, in my opinion, it needs to evolve. It can't stay the same for there to be, for us to gain new riders to, you know, for our riding population to grow, especially among the females of the world, you know, for more women to ride, like our, our messages have to change. We can't stick to the same oh it's just so cool come do it message to me that's what really is what sucks it's like well i'm about the it's cool come come to the side of the fence we have come to the dark side we have cookies just from the perspective of being an insurance company you would yeah. think there would be like uh 
Well, you know, we like this video private contractor, but we're thinking that she should throw on a pair of boots and maybe better pants, a motorcycle jacket, you know, um, and, and especially about, like, area. I mean, I will not, I, I'm pretty much going to tell you that I am 99% of the time at get. And there are some few times which I have maybe uh, shorted myself in the pants, proper pants department. Gloves, boots, and jacket, and full face helmet were still on for short trips. But it would be very difficult for me, just based on the fact that I was in a crash that I didn't necessarily <laughs> cause myself. Uh, I'll, I'll leave that up to the deer. It would be very hard for me to go on a long distance trip um, yeah. of several hundred miles without mm -hmm. wearing anything. No. Because that would make me feel very, very naked. You know, everyone has their own degree of evolution where you first start riding and you're, you know, on the back with your boyfriend and you're probably using his helmet and you maybe just have some combat boots and probably not, you know, the most protective of gear. We all have a start. And granted, the guys listening are going to be like, yeah, no, I wasn't on the back with my boyfriend. But you understand, we all have a start where we're not quite as educated and then one day someone or something happens that kind of opens our mind to, oh, you know, that probably wasn't the brightest thing I've ever done. And then things change from that point forward. Or you just so, evolve slowly. You know, you yeah. go one step at a time, like I did. I mean, I started out with just with just uh, top half is how most people do it. Helmet, glove, yeah. jacket. I didn't even touch the lower half until like the year, maybe six months into riding or something, three to six months. But I mean, I don't, I don't mind a message of, hey, this is a really cool thing. Come do it with us. It's just how it's packaged. I'm not a yeah, huge fan exactly. of the way they package it to wear nothing. Don't worry. It'll be okay. You, you'll be just fine. This is cool. And what to me is, is problematic, again, is some PR agency that has absolutely no clue about writing and what impact that message really does have. It's like their message was, make the coolest looking video we can, get the prettiest girl we can in there, and share this story, and that's it. And there's really no other, you know, concern. Um, I just don't like the message that it sends. It really bugs me. I'm, I'm tired of seeing it, is what I... I just hate seeing it over and over and over again. Yeah, I don't, I don't, mind, the, it, I don't mind the video so much, as much as I mind who the video was prepared for yeah i mean there's been a huge influx of all kinds of videos for or relative to motorcycling and all of that in the long term is good hey we're you know we're something other than a, a darkened helmet on the highway plowing past a car i love the fact that more people are taking a look at motorcycling and turning into something creative finding out what the people are like that ride bikes, learning more about it, you know, movies like Why We Ride and the Penton documentary that kind of try to weave in yeah. human interest stories yep. in with motorcycling. All of those things, you know, they all, for, the, for better or for worse, whether we like how it's packaged, yep. do motorcycling a greater good. Of course, there are some bad PR moments uh, that aren't related to videos that, <laughs> that don't help us, but, uh, you know, those are usually few and far between. But... But just for me, the, the problem with this is, is who the 
who the company is for that they prepared this and it just seems a little bit removed from what you would expect from an insurance company because yeah. as an insurance company you know you sh should be kind of promoting safety just saying i One mean think if you don't buy their insurance if you if i guess if you buy their motor uh, their health insurance policy which is, i think for me was like an extra thousand dollars or, or i don't mm -hmm. know there's like there are different levels of motorcycle insurance, and I think when I saw the option of having uh, a medical policy, I opted out because I'm fully covered through my office. So there's no reason to have two policies because no matter whether I get hit by a deer or get hit by a person in a car, I'm still going to be covered by my employer's insurance mm -hmm. company. They're mm -hmm. not going to look at the situation I got in and go, well... You know, a deer hitter, we're not going to cover her broken arm. Yeah, no, no, no. So, yeah, that, that's really my, my yeah. issue there is I think no, they should I have a... totally agree. Yeah. One would think it would come out a little differently. But the thing is, is, like, videos I've seen on, like, from other insurance companies, it's all the same stuff. There's not a huge difference. Like, Progressive and Geico, like, I guess Geico's a little better from what I've seen, but... Which progressive ads are you talking about? Because their campaign where John is in all of their print ads, he has gear on. That's different. They don't ever show those on TV. Sure, I know. Print ads. That's, I, oh, yeah, I'm talking about TV. Oh. Yeah, just Yeah, like I need to watch more television in order <laughs> to, yeah, because to it, have a reference it, point. I never see any TV ads. Well, because it always stands out to me when I watch TV ads. Like the BMW one. The general, the BMW ad, which is the, you know, what was, what's that tagline? Find your... Oh, Feed Your Restless. Feed Your Restless, yeah. That one stands Thank out you. to me completely because, right, that's why it stands out. That's the only one I, I can think of. And Yamaha actually runs ads here too, um, which are actually similar. Those two are the only ones I've ever seen um, where I see people, where the riders are just completely covered. Um... But I've never, all the other ads are just, you know, blah. Just in my I'll mind. have to take another yeah. look because nothing standing out as, as a gigantic offender as far as uh, television ads are concerned. Well, I don't mean Keep like this, open. I don't mean like this documentary. I just mean comparatively no, no, no. speaking, right? Sure. That um, the only two ads I have ever seen where everyone is fully dressed is those two, Yamaha and BMW. Um, well, and of course, T-Mobile, totally unrelated to the motorcycle uh, industry. <laughs> yeah, see, way to go on non-motorcycle industry to make a really cool video. Um, so anyway, there's a rant about this this video, and we'll link it. And I was sharing this other link before we go um, about Shalina Morita. And I met Shalina like six years ago when she was just, she just got into racing. And nobody knew who her, who she was. Um, and she came to one of our events and she talked a little bit about getting into racing. Um, it's when, actually when we had Elena Myers in the motorcycle show um, come be a special guest. Like, Shalina was there too and um, speaking. But now she's, she's doing some really cool things. And there was a really nice interview with her in Bay Area News because she's from Petaluma. Um, so... They did the local news station, KTVU. They did an interview with her, and it was just it was really nice to see. So if you have a minute to check it out, it's really cool. Just to kind of see what some women Should I say, are Speaking to. of her, um, Melissa Paris is going to be on a, on the Fem 
going to be involved in the Fem Endurance uh, race mm-hmm. in Suzuka in Japan, and uh, right. Shalina is one of her teammates. Yes. So that is especially interesting to me, um, mm-hmm. since, as you're aware, Kevin Schwantz is also going to be racing in that same race. Yeah. So, I think so all, f- I can, all I can dream about is Melissa Paris lapping Kevin Schwantz, and I don't know the reality of that actually happening, but would that yeah, I don't think just so. be awesome? <laughs> that would be, but somehow I, I don't know that it's going to happen, but... We certainly want to root for them for that particular race, but um, absolutely yeah. because I think they probably represent the only. I don't know if it's an all-female team, because uh, I mean it's an eight-hour endurance, so maybe it is just two people. Because uh, Jason's Boldor was, I think, twenty-four hours, mm-hmm. and that one was a team of three. So maybe the eight hours only a team of two, but I doubt it. I would think there would probably be more people, but. Um, at any rate, that could possibly be the only team with women. So, I think uh, it is. I props it is. to them. Yep. For going over there, and I think that's coming up. If uh, if not this weekend, uh, the weekend after. Yep. So we have a second. Check that out, and then we'll post, of course, links to all the stuff we've chit chatted about. Um, I think that's going to do it for us for forty-eight. Yes, if you have any burning questions that you would love us to answer in one of our future podcasts or off the air as well, feel free to email us through our website at motorific.com as well as uh, through Twitter, Geerchick, G-E-A-R-C-H-I-C, or ADV Goddess. And you can also hit us up on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Podcast. And thank you very much. We will be back next week with episode 49. Have a good week. See ya.